when we looked at our lives, um, we just thought we would probably be the most unlikely people to lead a church because, you know, especially for my life, I knew that I had been very broken. I was still very broken. Uh, I'd hurt many people in my life and I just felt like I wasn't the right person to do that. But actually praying to God, we believed that that was the right thing. I started to have dreams. Um, I dreamt that um, one night I was in my dream and I was awoken by some noise in the basement of the house that I was living in. This is the dream. And I went into the basement and there was a homeless person in my basement and I was frightened. And I was saying, you need to you need to leave, get out of my house. And God was there and said, Jenny, I want you to give him breakfast. So I fed him breakfast and he ate and was very appreciative and left. And the next uh, night, again, in my dream, um, I I was dreaming and there was lots of noise in the basement and went down and there was over 50 homeless people there. And He told all his friends, didn't he? He told all his <laughs> friends what a great breakfast Jenny would give you. And I fed them breakfast and I felt God say, go to Portsmouth, find my people and feed them. Mm. And, and I think that was really significant for us. Um, Denim and I left Morelands. Um, we went off to Portsmouth, just the two of us. And we went, we were under, like you've got Church of England and Methodist. There was, there's another denomination, which is a vineyard church. So we came under vineyard. We've been training alongside the Moorlands with vineyard. And they released us to start a church in Portsmouth mm. um, where we started the church, just the two of us, and grew to 50 to 70 people. We also opened the homeless drop-in. Um, which was wonderful, a different place. Again, we had 50 to 70 homeless. Well, we started off with just one guy. Yes, we did. Yes. And then he told his friends on the next week we had 10. Yeah, and then it was the week just after like the dream. 20. And the week after after that, it was up to 40 or 50. So so that uh, that vision that you had about yeah, breakfast... It had come to fruition. It, it ended up being dinner. Yes. But, but these were all homeless guys. Mm. And mm. it was incredible. And another dream I had was that God's came in the dream asked me to put out my hand and gave me an acorn and i thought oh thank you lords um that's a lovely gift an acorn and i think why would god give me an acorn well uh a big la- things from little acorns yes grow. <laughs> a beautiful scripture and and then a lady in portsmouth invited denim and i to dinner we didn't know this lady and she said there was a reason i was inviting you it was because while i was praying i felt that God was going to ask the two of you to take over the Christian bookshop in the city of Portsmouth. And we had just taken on the homeless drop-in, the Lifehouse. And I thought, well, and I wouldn't do anything unless I felt God had called us to do that because, Mm. gosh, we were running a church, running the homeless drop-in. And now there was this other thing as well. And I said to her, what's the Christian bookshop called? And she said, it's called the Acorn. And I just knew at that time, oh, my goodness. And another thing that people had prophesied, so sometimes when people pray, um, they will tell you what they think God is saying about you, so we call it prophesying. And people were prophesying that the church that we would lead would be like a ship, that Denim and I would sail, we'd be the captains of the ship, and it would have three masts. And I knew that it was the church, the Port Savina church, it was the Lifehouse homeless drop-in, and it was the Acre and Christian bookshop, which we um, did many discipleship and praying for healing for people who weren't 
Christians. It was just another community that God built. It was just amazing. Um, Denham, it was really hard. It was the hardest time of our Christian walk, but we were the most blessed. Um, we had to trust in God for everything. Mm. And it was an amazing time. And what did you used to quote? Charles Dickens, who who uh, was Portsmouth-based, um, wrote the book The Tale of Two Cities. It starts off with, it was the best of times, it was the worst of times. Yeah. And, and that sort of described our journey so, so well, um, because it was amazing, but it was tough. Mm. It was really tough. Shall we have the next song? So this is The Blessing, which of course came very much to the fore. Uh, lots and lots of versions of it, including the UK version. This is the original version by Carrie Joby, but why this one? So The Blessing, um, during COVID actually, it was a song that was written and performed by many, many, many churches around the nation. Is it around the world too? Yes, all, all um, every, practically every country in the world had its own version. And when people couldn't come together, we came together through, um, it was like a Zoom, wasn't it, that it yeah, was done? Yeah. It was, And it was so significant that people were able to join together. The church was even stronger during COVID when we thought that we'd be separated and this just is, just impacted us all. That's uh, Carrie Joby there and uh, the blessing. Now, one uh, revelation that Denham had uh, came to you, of course, while you were in the, the city of Jerusalem, of all places. And what was that? So, so last year uh, we were in Jerusalem and on, we were there on the Sunday morning. So we went to Christchurch in Jerusalem and the worship team uh, actually, I think, ended the service with the blessing. And what was incredible is that rather than all facing the front and singing the song to God, it is a song about blessing one another. And so everybody in the congregation was praying this song over everybody else in the congregation as, as, as a blessing. And it was just so, so lovely to see that. Now, Jenna, you love blessing. Oh, I yes. think it would be quite nice. If you're just nice, why don't you just bless everybody that's listening? Yeah, Father God, I pray, uh, pray a blessing over everybody who's listening. Lord, will you touch each person? Will you pour out your perfect love upon them and give them a peace that surpasses all understanding? And Lord, will you bless each person listening, their family and their children and their children's children and their children's children's children. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you, Jenny. So, guys, you can receive that. Now, there you were, clearly called by God, maybe a little bit reluctant in your own mind, thinking, of course, <laughs> that you weren't worthy, Jenny. And, and uh, uh, But then things were to change. So we, the church is being blessed. The bookshop is being blessed. Your outreach to the homeless people is being blessed. But then out of nowhere... 
something terrible happened. Yeah, well, things started to change in 2014. My sister died of ovarian cancer, and I have to say it really uh, shook me up. Um, and I watched a part of my mum die at that same time. Um, and God at that time had given me the book of Job to read. Well, we know about Job that he was a wealthy landowner and, and father, but that he was stripped of everything without warning and that his faith was severely tested. So not a book you'd want to be given by God, to be honest. Um, but I felt that God was preparing me. And I said to Denham, I think that there's more to come. Um, God gave me a scripture, Proverbs 3, 5 to 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. With all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. And I held on to that verse too. But shortly after, um, the next year, my young nephew took his life in front of a train in Christchurch. And again, it just shook all of my family. And I think it was too much for my mum. Another big part of my mum died again. And God gave me Job again. And I thought, gosh, there's more to come. And we lost a really um, wonderful um, man in our church who was pivotal, who actually had assigned himself to be a father figure to me and also to be a bodyguard for me at the life house, the homeless drop-in, which because often it would become volatile there. But it really shook me up. Uh, Denim, Dem and, uh, Denim and I went to the 24-7 prayer conference because I was really feeling low, which wasn't me because I always was like joyful Jenny. I was so happy, mm -hmm. positive, passionate. Um, and someone gave me a prophecy of a purple flower that the sun, S-U-N, would scorch the flower and it would die away or look like it would die away and then it would pop up again and the sun would scorch it and it would fade and die away and then it would pop up again and, and that God was saying that no matter what happens to you you will pop up again and you will be that beautiful flower so I couldn't um, deny that I felt that my health was affected um, I took myself off to Han Hill which is a healing retreat where you just go and spend time in God's presence and I said to Denham that I'm not feeling good. I'm wanting to withdraw away from the homeless people, which isn't my personality. And I'm also finding it difficult to be around people, um, which, again, I'm an extrovert and that was not like me. So I went off to the healing retreat and I remember writing in my diary that I was nervous about how many people would be there. And again, I, that gave me concern. We went to a session where we had... Um, we were doing art and I saw a picture by Ollie Pengeli, um, a Christian artist, called Standing in the Storm. And I was stood there and the waves were crashing over me. And I felt God was saying that right now I was in the wrong place in my life and that he wanted to take me away to a blue lagoon to rest and be still and it would be a safe haven. So I took myself to um, my room. It was at lunchtime. And I laid down for a rest. I was really, really tired. Um, and in that time, I ended up having a seizure, a grand male tonic seizure, and for three hours. And then I was... You were on your own there, weren't you? I was so on my own. nobody saw this happening. Nobody saw. And then for the next three hours, the doctor think, 
weeks that I was unconscious for three hours. So it was about half past six in the evening and I tried to call Denham and to realise that I couldn't speak and that my tongue was completely shredded. At this point, I hadn't known that I'd had a seizure. I'd never had one before. Mm. Um, And Denham said for me to try and find a lady called Carol, who was my old vicar's wife. And I don't have any recollection of this, but apparently I found her. And she recognised the symptoms symptoms in me and took me to A&E in Swindon. I think it was Swindon, Sirencester. Sir, yeah, Sirencester. And all I remember is God gave me capital letters, the words, I am healed. Um, I didn't even know at that time what was uh, wrong with me, but they gave me a... Um, CT scan which they do if you're about the age of 50 I was 50 at that time that they would do a a scan and they found that I had a large mass on my brain and I knew um, that doesn't sound good Um, but I quickly deteriorated after that time Um, the next couple of weeks I deteriorated and Denham came up to be with me and two weeks later they Um, said that they were going to operate so I had to go um, for a pre-op and I remember them saying in the pre-op do you hear voices and I said yes I do and and he was writing all the notes down and he said um, do you know who the voices are and I said yes I do and he said would you you were were thinking God right and he was saying would you like to share who that is and I said it's God and I thought <laughs> yeah, and I, I saw him one. quickly <laughs> scribble out what he'd written and said, oh, OK, you have faith. Um, but I like to think that even then when I was really deteriorating, when I say that, I couldn't remember. Like even like we held a glass to drink. I didn't know it was a glass. I, I just couldn't remember anything. And I remember like I was frequently passing out and I'm saying to Denham, I don't think I'm going to make the surgery, which was the Friday. I knew I was having the surgery on the Monday I actually felt like my body was shutting down anyway went for the surgery which is this is where the song on the battlefield came in because it was seven o'clock my family were around me they wheeled me away in the trolley and for the first time I've always had such a great faith in the last 20 something years that I've been a Christian and I was scared I was so scared well, for um, good reason, of course. Yeah. Um, and I remember them wheeling me away and I was just praying in tongues like I had learnt how to do when I'd become a Christian. But I was singing on the battlefield and I remember in this small room where I counted 10 people were working on me at the same time to prepare me for surgery. Um, I heard them say, I'll oh, put her under anaesthetic. And that's the last thing I remember, of course. Um They found a large tumour the size of a tennis ball, uh, which they removed, which actually was my left frontal lobe that they removed. Um, The surgeon, who was an absolute genius, who I appreciate greatly, um, said that if he had done the surgery the next day, I would not have survived because actually my body was shutting down. Mm. So what I was feeling was actually happening. I wouldn't have survived Um, But nothing prepared me um, for what was to come. I I had a scar from ear to ear. They called it an Alice band where they'd um, done the surgery. 
But God had said that when they place, um, I didn't know they were going to put a clamp on my head, but obviously with brain surgery they did. I didn't want to know. But God had said he would place a crown on my head. And he had told me that when we were, I was going through the surgery, hours and hours of brain surgery, that he would walk with me in the garden of paradise. And, and it was just, that was incredible. And I held on to that hope. But after the surgery, um, I didn't know how to speak. I didn't know how to write. I didn't know how to pray. And of course, although they removed most of the mass, they didn't remove all of it, did they? No, they. Um, it went away. They tested it. They said to me that, unfortunately, the tumour was cancerous. Um, they said it was terminal cancer. It was incurable and that I was now in palliative care. And I remember thinking, I love Jesus and I'm not afraid of dying, but that I am really afraid of not being able to live. Um, I had 400 people praying for me, which was just amazing. I felt the power of those prayers. Uh, Kathy Burton, who was a really good friend of ours, she wrote when she heard, she said through her pain and through her tears, she wrote a song for me. So she wrote and recorded that, which really helped me through healing. And Alan Lepper, another um, friend of ours, he was a pastor in Southampton, he also wrote a song and sang that over me for healing. Um, I had chemotherapy for six months, and every month that I had the chemotherapy, and especially just after having had the brain surgery, I my body was getting weaker and weaker. And I didn't even think I would make six months of being able to have the, the chemotherapy. Did they give you a, a, any idea of how much time you might have? Um, they did. Um, they said that it would be absolutely wonderful if I could make it two years without it coming back again, that they had other treatments they could try and give me. They said I had a 50% chance of living up to 10 to 15 years five, five to 10 years or five, five to 10 years i think denham's changed it to 20 because he yeah we'd like, like it to be 20 yes yeah he'd like to hope for, we have for more <laughs> but but you know it's really interesting because like i wrote prayers down i could hardly speak and it was lord help me tired despondent frightened and so you were able to let out what you were feeling to the lord yeah, in like one words, I couldn't yeah, even pray. because you couldn't speak more than a few words, could you? Oh, it was just awful. Um, and the other thing that I don't normally share, but I will, I, I don't know if I had psychosis or whether it was brain injury, but for two or three years, like that's a long time, mm. every time I was outside, I felt that somebody was trying to kill me. Mm. Um, Parano I was so scared. Sort of paranoia. Yeah, it was just really frightening. Um, I had brain injury as well where I liken it to, like if you have a bracelet with beads on and then you, the bracelet breaks and the beads scatter and you pick them up and you've got two or three missing. My sequence of events that I did, I couldn't do a whole sequence. So it really limited me. Um, and it was really frightening. And I have to say, I was in such a dark place I felt like there was a, ca a cloud living over me and I went to the doctor and nobody really understood how I felt or what was happening because unless they were brain um, surgeons or um, consultants, they didn't really understand. 
Um, but a friend had said to Denham that he should try and get me into the brain injury unit in Poole, um, which my doctor referred me there. But they actually said to me that because my prognosis was poor and because it's it cost thousands of pounds to put someone through the programme, that it wasn't a viable option. Um, but because I had gone to see him and I had understood so much, I was starting to research about the brain and the neurological pathways. Um, he said that he was going to give me that opportunity to go. So for 18 months, I went there and it started to change my life. Um, I felt sad for the people that couldn't go. Um, I went to a vineyard leaders gathering and somebody approached me. I went for, I must have been there 10 minutes or 20 minutes because I couldn't cope with (coughs) the, the sounds, the sensory, the people, the noise, the lights. And he gave me a card and said, I've never done this before, but I run a a retreat in Wales and I feel that God wants to bless you with going there for a week to have some healing. Um, So I gave the card to Denham. We left because we couldn't stay long. And we went off to this place. Uh, It was absolutely beautiful. We didn't realise it was just going to be Denham and I there. So we were alone in in a Welsh valley, such a beautiful place. And there was a stream river flowing through it. And I felt God saying, take off your shoes and socks and step in to the river. And it was winter, it was February. (laughs) And I said to Denham, well, if God's saying that to me, Denham, he must be saying that to you too. So I can remember (laughs) Denham and I stood in this river. Poor Denham will do anything for me. And it was freezing. And I thought, nothing's happened. Oh, gosh, we've done all this for nothing. And then God said to me, Jenny, do you trust me? And I said, yes, God, I trust you with all my heart. And God said, Jenny, do you trust me? And I said, yes, I trust you. And he said again, Jenny, do you trust me? And I thought, no, I don't trust you. Um, I haven't been trusting you. I've been living under this cloud of death. And and God asked me to raise my hands to him. And it felt like raising them through thick treacle. I literally at first I couldn't. And I raised my arms and as I did that, I just felt that something broke off me and it felt like the cloud of death broke off me. And from then forward, I felt completely different. Um, I felt that something had shifted in me and we went to see the consultant. By this time, we were two years into my recovery. Um, Still not good, still having to use wheelchairs Um, She said that we could travel. And Denham and I said, if we can go by plane, how do you feel about us doing... We ended up doing 48 flights. uh, A world tour. 19 countries. We travelled around the world for six months. And I went off wondering, could I do two weeks? Actually, could I actually do two weeks of this? I'm so tired. And we went off for six months and I came back absolutely... um, blessed we went to church every sunday in the different countries we went to it was fabulous and i just felt that during those six months god was really healing me um and i remember him saying about going off to the the blue lagoon uh, lagoon and that's exactly what i had done um i remember that i had made a baby quilt for a grandchild that i knew 
I was never going to meet. Sorry, get emotional. Um, I'd written letters to my children. Um, and I'm just so happy to say that I have a granddaughter um, <laughs> called Freya. And she uses the quilt now. Um, it's such a blessing. And this year we have a grandson who's four months old. So that's, mm. yeah, I just really appreciate what uh, God has and done. And the woman who couldn't put two words together. Oh, gosh. Has um, just spent quite a long time just sharing with all of us to the glory of God. Let's have your next piece of music, 10,000 Reasons. Why this one, Jenny? Uh, when we were at the homeless drop-in, um, we did church and they liked this song so much that every single time we're in the homeless drop-in, we would hold hands, all of us, and we would sing this song together. Can I just say quickly, Blair, that uh, there's one guy in particular who was really significant in the church that died that Jenny said. Yeah. Um, and I can remember he loved this song. He, it really impacted him. Uh, and I can remember when he gave his life to Jesus and he said, I'd rather be stood here naked <laughs> than speaking to you about this right now. Amen. <laughs> Worship his holy name Sing like never before Oh my soul I worship your holy name Sing like You know, I wish I had a webcam uh, (laughs) in the studio because uh, uh, this woman who was very close to death has been dancing around the studio with (laughs) hands held high. Uh, Denham, you're standing by watching all of this happening, trying to compute how could a God of love do this to someone like Jenny? What was what was going through your head, and what impact has all of this had on you? Well, I think the first thing to say, Blair, is, is it wasn't God that did it to Jenny. Um, so, so God, God might have allowed it to happen, but God didn't do it to Jenny, uh, and and that's quite quite significant, and that's something that we have to have to hold on to, um, which is it's true, of course. Um, for, for me, I quoted earlier Charles Dickens, it was the best of times, it was the worst of times. For me, this was absolutely the worst of times. Um, it was... And hard to compute. Oh, phenomenally hard to compute. It, it, our whole lives were turned completely upside down. The vision that God had given us for the church and everything that God had been doing with the church and the homeless drop-in and the, the bookshop and everything else, um, all of a sudden, everything's thrown up in the air. Uh, completely, uh, and my my primary role was, I, I guess, to try to be strong for for Jenny. Um, but what I didn't realise at the time is I was breaking inside. Mm. Uh, it was a phenomenally tough time, and 
obviously there was a priority to try and keep things running at church and everything and there's some great people that that did step up and help help out in that um but at the end of the day there was uh, you, you know it was a difficult thing to do and one night in particular i was praying to god and i and i said um i said to god effectively well what do you want me to do next and um uh, what were the words he, he used you are released he said you are released and i said but that wasn't what i asked <laughs> and he said you are released again <laughs> again mm. that day i had a meeting with a guy called david craig and some some other pastors and i i arrived at the meeting and i said look i think god has spoken to me but i need confirmation from you guys so i can't tell you what he said then he confirmation from you guys. And, and David Craig stood up and he said three times, you need to be released. You need to be released. You need to be released. So I think you probably did hear right from God. So isn't, you know, again, it's one of those little God incidences. You know when God's speaking to you, don't you? Yeah. Um, well, he wasn't speaking to them. I mean, we shouting. Shouting. Well, it's the only way you can get through to my thick skull. <laughs> so so um as a result of that we ended up stepping down from the ch- from leading the church sorry jenny's going to say something on the night that we stepped down from leading the church i i was speaking i have no memory of it the last the first three years i have limited memory from mm. that time mm. uh, and i see a video of myself speaking and it's a shock that I can't even remember when I see the video of me speaking. Mm. Uh, but the precious gift was uh, just before um, I went to the healing retreat, uh, I was at the Acorn Bookshop and one of my lovely homeless guys who were was just in uh, Portsmouth at the time was walking past the shop. He was really drunk he his clothes were he had feces all over him he Mm. was in a really bad way but i was really feeling ill and tired at the time i would normally have helped him so i prayed to god like god please will you get somebody to help him and god said to me you do it and i said i can't god i'm tired i'm too tired there's something wrong i don't know what's wrong with me something's wrong um please get someone to do it and he said you do it Um, So I went outside and asked God, show me where he is. It wasn't long because people were ridiculing him. Mm. So I went over to him and said, Paul, it's Jenny. I'm coming to help you. Um, I, I, Sorry, I forgot to say that in the bookshop we prayed. I asked people to come around me and pray. And, and I said that we need a shower for him. We need to be able to find him. We need to get him clothes. Um, and we need to help him on the path. So basically, we prayed these things, and, and a guy who was in the bookshop said, well, that's really funny. At the church, a few doors up, I noticed for the first time in four years today that they have a shower there. So I said, okay. So I literally phoned up and said, hello, my name's Jenny Howard. Um, I understand you have a, sho- uh, a shower. Um, I'm the pastor of Portsmouth Vineyard. And this guy who answered the phone said, how bizarre. I come from the Lantern in Wimborne, and I've heard that you're in Portsmouth and I've really wanted to meet you and I've just gotten a job here in Portsmouth and I said well you can meet me in half an hour if you like if we can use your shower and so he, I'm really grateful to him because um, he 
took us i found paul took him into a charity shop which quickly emptied because um he smelled badly um he chose his clothes i bought them for him we took him to a shower he went in it was like the gospel he went in low dirty and he came out with his head high smelling wonderful in his new clothes it was like a transformation i passed him on um for people to help him and i went home and then everything happened to me but on this night that denham was talking about i was speaking and a man walked in the room with a three-piece suit on and he came to the front and gave testimony that that night that I'd helped him, that day I'd helped him, he'd then gone into a rehab and he was now dry. And I said to God that that was why we came to Portsmouth. We came to feed the lost, um, find the lost, feed the broken. And that meant everything to me. And it was like God could not have given me a better blessing the day we stood down from leading the church. Mm. So it, it was uh, it was a hard time. It was a really hard time uh, for for me. I guess my identity got tied up in what I was doing. Uh, it, it got tied up in being the pastor of the church and in running the homeless dropping and the, the bookshop and everything else. And sudden and and also being married to Jenny and 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 uh, of course suddenly everything was thrown up in the air. Everything was completely turned upside down. Um, and it took me quite a long time on a personal level to be able to I think I had a bit of a breakdown to be honest Blair mm. uh, it took me quite some time on a personal level to come out the other end of that um, which I think I think we have now yes. so in a way that, that world trip and of course now you're doing some European cities as well <laughs> that, we was, that was space for you as much as it was of course for Jenny I, I know it's not biblical but for the first three months I refused to speak to God Mm. When we're traveling I around think he world. probably would have understood, you know. Well, the reason I didn't want to speak to God is because I didn't want to know what he had for me next. <laughs> and it was as simple as that. So, so we go to church and, and uh, you know, I would engage in worship. And yeah, go through but, the motions. But, but, but I didn't want to hear what God had to say because I wasn't ready. Yeah. And then the second three months, well, then I had my, my spiritual antenna up. Let's have the, the next piece of music, which is Raise a Hallelujah. So Amen. In, in the middle of everything. And by the way, it has been seven years yes. since this saga started to the glory of God. Uh, why raise a hallelujah? Um, I think that the only thing we could do is raise a hallelujah. Um, and again, it was just the people that have supported us, the people who've come around us. We had friends around for dinner. Um, there were a few of us and we played some worship songs and we were just raising a hallelujah for what God had done in our lives. At this time, we'd moved back to Portsmouth to finish some of the work that God had started. Um, and we were raising a hallelujah of gratefulness and attitude of gratitude. I think a bit like singing on the battlefield, Blair, we, when times are tough, it doesn't mean we should stop praising God. Yeah, I, amen. Well, let's have a raising a hallelujah. Well, that's uh, Bethlehem music there and raise a hallelujah. And I've 
fact, uh, Reading Church in in uh, California is one of the places that Jenny and, and Denham visited. They may say about that in a moment. But Jenny, the end of the story of Job, all of the story is pretty horrible. Mm. And blow after blow after blow on Job and everything is lost. But the end of the story is quite different, isn't it? It is. And... I held on to that because God gave me the ending at the very beginning. And he said that he returns Job's health. He provides him with twice as much property as before. New children, a my uh, grandchildren, and an extremely long life. And And I do know that only God knows my time. I had an MRI on Thursday and the cancer is stable. I'm really thrilled because it's now seven and a half years. As Blair said, it's just amazing. Um, interesting about Bethel was where I actually feel that God touched me so profoundly that I knew when I came back from travelling, my MRI would be stable. And it has been ever since. So, yeah, glory to God on that. Mm, encouraging. Now, clearly... Uh, <clears throat> You have an agenda because God's already, when we had our pre-meeting to discuss today, uh, and we shared some prophetic stuff, uh, clearly there's a new plan. I think, Denham, you know, the question that you asked may be beginning to be answered. There is a time to lay things down, but there is also a time to pick them up again. So what do you think God is saying to you both now? Uh, what does the future really have in store for Jenny and for Denham? So when we were travelling for the six months, um, immediately God was speaking to me. Like I would wake up and be able to write reams of things. Um, but I couldn't approach Denham because he was in his silent phase. Yes. And it was, um, was a bit angry as well, was it? Yeah. and A little bit, yeah. And understandably, and I want to give out a shout actually because Denham has been the most amazing husband. And I want to give a shout out to my daughter, Becky, because the two of them, I honestly believe um, if it wasn't for them, like obviously God is at the centre of everything. But if it wasn't for Becky and Denham, I would not be where I am today. So I really um, thank them and just want to encourage everyone, actually, that if you can reach out and support somebody who is in a season, um, because we all have tragedies in our lives at some point or another. And life is full of curveballs that it throws at us. Um, yeah, I just think, yeah, lean, you know, lean in and, and help somebody. Oh, so sorry, distraction. So God was sharing with me that mostly that Denham and I would be helping people to uh, walk in the destiny that he has for them. So many times we get stuck, especially after grief, especially after like when we're broken um, and when the curveballs come. Um, that we can support and walk alongside each other. But we can actually do more than that. Rather than survive, we can thrive. And that's for us as if we're Christians or not Christians. That's for all of us. And that actually we need each other. We need to do this together, to walk together and not to be alone and to support and encourage and uplift one another. Denham? Yeah, well, I, I, I agree. When we were in Bethel, uh, we were given a prophetic word. 
uh, about uh, what God wanted to, to do. Um, we were even given a name, which was Open Destiny, and it was all about releasing people into the into the um, giftings and into the destiny that God has for them. Uh, and so that that sort of underlies what we are. What we're trying to do at the moment, um, we, we definitely got as so many times said that, that I, you know, I'm calling you to be encouragers and to encourage encourage you, folk. You, you always have been that, haven't you? As long as I've known you both, bouncy Jenny, uh, and certainly uh, in all of our service together at the Born with Wine site, and I mean, you were one of my principal encouragers. Uh, so you've you've been that. It's like a total restoration plus, isn't it? Uh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, do, I mean, do you feel that? I mean, clearly, you you've been in a very dark place, both of you. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, do you think that that really has been a preparation for what may be coming? What is coming? Well, we had prophecies that said, "You think that the last five years, when you were leading the church, were the best times for you, but." hold on to your hats because (laughs) the next 10 years are going to be even better Mm. um and that's really exciting isn't it um we 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 just know that god won't have taken us through all of that and kept me here especially without there being another plan um so we are passionate i don't feel i feel like my personality has stayed the same um even though it was quiet at times, it has stayed the same. And I feel like I'm still passionate. I'm still, and I will always be looking out for people, the underdogs and the and the lost and the broken. Because, you know, I I was one of those people. Um, I, I remember at the age of 17, I made a vow. I wasn't a Christian. I made a vow that I would be looking out for the people that were struggling in life because nobody, and people had given up on them. And like we're part of the Sozo team now in church, and that's amazing. Um, and we're part of the prayer ministry team. We're going to Cause to Live For, which is a massive conference for 20 to 30 year olds. Over a thousand of them will be there. And we're going to be part of the team there to be able to pray and encourage. I'm really excited for that um, next weekend. Mm. Um, yeah. Well, I'll tell you what, here we are, we've got the airwaves. Uh, why don't you do both pray? Uh, and, and we'll go out of the programme with, with gratitude, which of course is, is a great song. Uh, John, quickly tell us just why that is. We've got about three minutes or so. So that's probably been, during our journey, we've had a song in particular that we will play over and over and over again. And this is a worship song, a song that I um, heard, and it just... Um, is everything i i feel so grateful for life for birthdays for celebration um gosh all the years that i thought oh no i'm going to be 49 and now it's like <laughs> yes i'm i'm going to be 59 yeah um next week and i'm celebrating amen to that well we've got our last uh, uh, last minute and a half let's pray amen well, Father, I'd, I just thank you so much for every every good thing, for everything that you've done in our lives uh, specifically, um, even through the tough times. Uh, and Lord, the Bible so many times uses this word remember. 
uh, all of the, the feasts in the Old Testament were all about remembering the things that God has done. And, and when we take communion, it's about, uh, you know, Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me. It's about remembering what, who Jesus is and what Jesus has done. And we as Christians, Lord, we need to do that. We need to remember who you are, Lord. Um, we need to remember what you have done for us. And, and sometimes we forget these things. So, Lord, I pray that you will remind us mm-hmm. of the great things that you have done in our lives. You will remind us of uh, the, 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 the love and the passion that we have had when we first came to you, uh, that you will set our hearts on fire for you again and again Amen. and mm. again. Amen. And Lord, I pray that you bless everybody that's, that's listening and has been listening this morning. Uh, bless them with your presence. Bless them with dreams of you. Uh, your old men will dream dreams. Let us do that, Lord. And your young men will have visions. Well, let them have their visions and let them know that those visions are from you, Lord. And let and put the, every, all the steps into place so that those visions can become reality. In Jesus' name. Amen. Oh, my words for sure. So the psalmist writes, Weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. However the long the night is, Lord, may the morning come, and with it your joy. Help us to realise that your grace has protected us, provided for us, comforted us, and brought us through. Times and seasons change, but not you, O God. You are the same yesterday, today, and forever. Give us a peace that surpasses all understanding. Help us to rise up, Lord. Let nothing stop stop us, Lord. Help us to be overcomers for you. In Jesus' almighty name, amen. Jenny and Denham, thank you. Bless you both. We look forward to you coming back. And bless you and thank you for listening. Thank you. This, of course, is gratitude, taking us up to the news. See you next week. Bye-bye.